0: Hey, guys, welcome back to the GrowFlow podcast, where we give you the best information, insights and interviews to help you manage and grow your licensed cannabis business. My name is Joe Stolte. I'm the chief revenue officer here at GrowFlow, and I'm joined by the handsome Hulk. And today uh, we thought we would just talk to you about what's working and what's not at GrowFlow so that you could learn from, you know, some of the things we're doing well and some of the things we're sucking at right now. (laughs) <laughs> this kind of
1: like falls um, perfectly in line with if you haven't watched the last episode about success leaves clues and failure does too. One of the things that we talked about um, in terms of failure leading clues is keeping all of your challenges to yourself and not enlisting uh, others are talking about them so others can learn from them and not being transparent and giving a false perception of what's happening. So you know we like to be pretty transparent about our business um, and that's honestly as a result of seeing it done the opposite way or. So that's one thing that we, we learned as a result of past experiences. One thing that's actually going well, in my opinion, is the culture that we created is very transparent. This is how much money's in the bank. This is how much money's coming in every month. Here's what sales are made. Um, here's which, which department is reaching their goals or underperforming or overperforming and who it is on, on what team that's not hitting their scorecard and, and so forth.
0: Yeah, and by the way, we have not like pre-agreed on what we're talking about here, yeah. so this is just going to be. And I'm probably the most transparent person in the company, maybe not, but probably top one percent. So, um, before we came in to record the podcast, I was on you know my weekly bi-weekly with the with Peter Lucy, our CFO, and you know one of the things I think we've done really well is hired amazing people and built a great culture. Um, I also think that we've we've been, we've created a lot of unnecessary complexity in pretty much every department. You know, like we scaled so fast. You know, we've talked about this in other podcasts. We went from, you know, a staff of around 20 to over 100 now. I think when we started the podcast, it was like 80 or 90. It just keeps growing. And, you know, some of those were really strategic hires. And everybody on our team is amazing. It's not an indictment of like the people. It's just that um, when you grow that fast, it's easy to like solve problems with the more for more or more with more paradigm. And I feel like it's a good time for us to step back and say, well, how can we do more with less? not from a cost savings perspective, but, but that's a natural byproduct of thinking like this, but purely from a complexity perspective. You know, like our sales team is massive now and, you know, it, it's kind of pushing the breaking point of like our, our director of sales. He's amazing, but, you know, there's just an allocation of time. Do you want to spend, you know, more time thinking about how to grow the business or do you want to spend more time coaching in one-on-ones? And so it's just these things. And if you look at every part of the business, we're hitting another threshold where it's like, okay, like, do we make another layer of management? Does that make it more complex? Or do we start thinking about how to like strip the, like the, the unnecessary out of the business in certain ways so that we can just really make it more focused on helping the you guys, the customers. Um, and I feel like that's like a discussion, like an introspection that we need to like really have at this point. Definitely.
1: I mean, and I'm guilty of it just like anybody is like, uh, you know, what you mentioned, our director of sales is going through. I know right now we're Stages of, of a reorg of one of the the team leaders that I directly manage, and I've had a lot of other things outside of just management in terms of like large scale business developments and financings and things like that um, that I've been working on that I have not been as deeply managing this particular team as much as I should. So the fact that we didn't set you know granular correct expectations with this one team and you know that sort of thing kind of gave that team leader the license to speculate and to um, kind of take um, their foot off the gas a little bit in various ways and being able to step back and recognize that and say, all right, actually now this is a this is a point of, of mild failure and we can correct this really easily by putting this team under someone who is just managing all day long and that's their life.
0: Yep, and someone that's like ruthless about simplicity. Yeah. Because you know, like, there's only like you only have two feet. You have like ten gas pedals. You can't push all of them at once. Even if you're like doubling it up, like, yeah. there's just so many. There's so many things you can do and so many things you can't do. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're growing as fast as we've grown, um, yeah, it's just hard to like really slow down and go, what's the essential right. and what's not essential. Um, let's see, what else are we doing really good. Yeah, I think um, one thing that's um, that we do really. really Yeah, over invested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, which like is a good thing. Like over investing
1: in it in comparison to the rest of the industry, like from a strategic perspective, because so so often people will look at support as an annoyance. Like, okay, if we just architect our product correctly, um, customers won't need
0: help and they right.
1: get confused. And that's just not the reality. Things are going to happen. They're going to be outlier scenarios. they're going to be edge cases. There's going to be people who just don't take the time to look at your material going to want to talk to somebody. Um, So kind of knowing that we wanted to go in the opposite direction early on, I think has paid off in a pretty significant way for us. And those teams, you know, we have a good, uh, a really great organizational culture, but those teams specifically have um, kind of dug an even deeper uh, culture themselves of how they operate and how they support each other. It's really fun to see, I think, you know, one unfortunate but understandable consequence is, and we talked a little bit about that in our last episode. Is we're having some of our individual contributors on our customer support side of the business getting poached
0: for leadership roles. Yeah. And other and other cannabis industry companies. And um, if we're gonna lose people, like that's this
1: is a great problem to have. Why that's why we would want to lose people because that's what you see. When people from Google and people from Apple, you know, they get poached to go start companies or go lead, you know, very large other ones and things like that. Um, and that name carries a lot of weight yeah and um i I don't know that that was something that we planned for when we were building those teams but as that starts to happen it's been kind of a signal
0: that we've done something right well it's not something that we haven't seen before i was just surprised at how fast it happened at growflow yeah like we well i won't get into the specific department but i'll just say that i'm super proud of our like team leads, um, in that world. So Claire who runs our customer happiness team and Angela who runs our customer success team are, you know, they're amazing. And they're like a big part of why we've been able to scale that part of the business, like relatively efficiently, um, focus on the right things. So that's been great. I feel like inside of that, there's another thing that we've done pretty well, which is arm the, the, the team leads. That's what we call kind of our managers, um, with like the skills and the degrees of freedom to learn and grow and, uh, really become great managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think in the beginning, we didn't do that very well. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really have that, our, our eyes on that. And then it just, it just sort of happened naturally. Um, but again, I do feel like if we don't get ahead of this complexity thing, that it's going to, this is gonna be too many gas pedals and not enough feet. And, and, and that's, and then, you know, the natural knee-jerk reaction will be we'll just get more bodies, but that's like the more for more strategy and that never, ever works. Yeah. So. Yeah. to five million and five million to ten million and these, those don't always look the same. Like no. usually they rarely don't.
1: Um, you know, I think one thing that we've done well, but also maybe sometimes a little too early or a little too late, is recognizing when our processes are, are our Yeah. You know, on one way or the other, whether they're too much or too little. You know, if if there are error rates that can be solved by processes, you know, we recognize them and change them, but in the inverse now we're seeing that in some cases we've almost over
0: processized some things oh for sure you know? well because process should follow outcome yeah. and when you're not like ruthless about the the core outcomes that really matter mm-hmm. you just start like whipping up process yeah. because that's like what you feel is like what you're supposed to do when you're growing but process is like shackles it take, like takes your flexibility away So if you're shackling yourself in the areas where you need to be flexible and you're not like setting up metrics and process in the areas of your business where you need to get the outcome, I mean, that's like, that could, that could be a recipe for disaster.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and for, for all of you listening, if you're wondering like what problem, um, removing process or adding process can solve, let's say you don't have predictable outcomes right now in your business for one reason or another. Let's say you don't have uh, predictable delivery a predictable output process can be your best friend because it can build you a machine. And that's kind of what we've done, is we have predictable everything. Um, now, what it can hinder is innovation, unique thought. It can hinder um, a giant leap forward in one realm, while, like, for example, we're seeing right now that um, there is a uh, profound desire by a lot of our post competitors to um, just compete on price, because that's really the only thing they can. So without starting to think outside of that realm of like, okay, uh, it's a more simple, maybe more buggy version of Growflow, but it's a lot cheaper. And so for the bottom customers who are very price sensitive, they might go to that cheaper you know, solution or something like that. And being able to adapt as a company, it you know, requires you to just break your process. And if you're afraid, because you, want, you don't wanna lose the predictable delivery, eventually, You'll start to weather your results down and down and down and down, and I think we've started to recognize a need to break some process and
0: start to think about some some things a little bit. Different. Yeah, hundred percent, substance over style. Yeah. Like how you get there in many ways. As long as it's ethical and legal, is largely irrelevant. Yeah, um, this is really interesting. Another thing that I think we're doing better at now, but we didn't do very good at in the beginning, almost on purpose because we were just trying to get like minimum viable marketing channels spun up, mm-hmm. is you know, we went out and we we launched a bunch of like like PDFs and really helpful like information things to put into the market. And in exchange for downloading that, you know, you get an email or a contact point. And then we had started having our salespeople follow up. Um, but we learned that like the people downloading these things, they just weren't like qualified. They weren't licensed cannabis operators that were in our strike zone that are people that should have been on the phone with the salesperson. And they probably should have been nurtured or helped, or there should have been more goodwill or trust generated before they talked to a salesperson. And so we've learned that like there's a balance. There's a, there's a place in the discussion with the marketplace where it's appropriate to use a salesperson's time to help them figure out if GrowFlow or whatever else in the marketplace is right for them. And then there's a, an appropriate place for marketing to continue to own that relationship and just trust that the more that we serve and the more that we help and the more that we touch the, the marketplace in a way that's helpful to them, that's going to bring them in 50 60 70 percent sold on us and then the salesperson's job is a lot easier uh we haven't cracked that code but we've definitely made some adjustments that are like putting the bright burden on marketing you know that's why we have the podcast it's like you know there's no secret we do this because we want to you know, we want to help a lot of people and generate goodwill and our hope is that some percentage of those people are qualified to do business with us right and you know and that so that's part of it and so uh, we didn't get that right in the beginning. I don't think we really tried to. We just said, let's just let's just do stuff versus not do it and see what happens. But it very quickly became the case, you know, like a lot of salespeople were following up on people that weren't, you know, they didn't even own a business. It was just like, so marketing did a good job of like getting the the downloads, but the salespeople should, they're just brought in too early. And so I, don't, I think the lesson, if you're listening to this for you, might be number one, it's better to take action than not. We wouldn't have figured that out if we would have just like sat around and like contemplated about it in the ivory tower, right? Uh, and then number two is like always be testing and experimenting. The only reason we knew that is we just looked at the data. We looked at the data of like the the connect rates with the salespeople, and we're like, oh, no, this is these leads are not leads. So yeah. you know you can't punish salespeople for their conversion rates when you're not giving them real leads. Um, you know, and it's just like this like constant experimentation. And so now we're like the way we think about success in that part of the business is and we need to get way better at this. But like how how can we like experiment profitably, right. and then experiment. Far more frequently right and so we're, we're getting ready to relaunch all of our um all of our like sales funnels for paid traffic and we're getting ready to release this awesome documentary film which we've talked about on previous podcasts and we're starting off by saying you know, what's the simplest version of this that we can make to get a baseline and then we can start to test to see what works and what's actually helping people what's helping people get deeper into the conversation with us um, versus like how complicated can we make this and then take things away we're going the opposite approach so like yeah. What's the simplest thing we can put out? And then what can we add and validate if that's better than the baseline? Right, so,
1: right. yeah, I think one, one to, sh- to shift gears a little bit, I think one of the things that um, you know we both did well and, and also more recently poorly, um, I think is kind of like our press strategy, our media strategy, like early on, we wanted to stay under the radar. Yeah. We did Not want folks to know how big growth it was or how many customers growth served. And we did not want any of our competitors to think of us as a viable threat. Now, after we raised money, some people started to, you know, think, okay, maybe if, at some point these guys are going to be, um, you know, pretty much viable, not knowing how many customers that we already had. Now, recently, I think you know, once we realized, okay, the cat is out of the bag, let's actually um, go present ourselves as industry leaders and things like that. But like we, we the data says we basically are in almost every measurable category, um, the interesting thing is, I think we actually underestimate the types of things that we do that are newsworthy. Um, so we actually like, in a, a call with our, our press team last week, they basically went through, hey, here are several different things that a couple of your competitors are announcing that you know have gotten a lot of pickup by media outlets. Maybe we should think about doing some of these things. And we just sat back and were like, we've done all of those things. Like we we've, we've got way more than that. And like why aren't you telling us these things? And and we didn't realize that would want to write about that yeah and we didn't realize that that would be interesting to the market at all uh so so different things and and the way that that manifested itself in the product as well is um we had really high standards of what we wanted to release or what we wanted before we released a, a feature to a customer and the customer was using a competitor um, for that feature and they hated it so much and they said can you please just show it to us like we just want to at least see and compare the two. Okay, sure, but just like managing your expectations, it's not going to be super awesome. They looked at it and they're like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever! Yeah. Why haven't you told me about this thing? Uh, we want this tomorrow, and like, please, please, just let us get involved earlier." Yeah, time.
0: yeah. Like, you
1: know things like that. We actually try to, in our heads. One of our core values is customer obsession. Yeah. And sometimes that means we want to to deliver things that are way more awesome in advance uh, because early on in the company's history. There's no QA environment.
0: We just shipped things. Oh God! Customers found all the bugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, instead
1: of our QA
0: team. Yeah, that that just comes with growing up a little bit, yeah. I, and and at the risk of like making it sound like we're so great, we're not. We have like infinite surface area to improve on, but I would much 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 rather be understated than 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 the opposite. Than like to be, you know, grasping at straws, pushing every possible success into the loudest possible megaphone. I think there's a time for that. We'll get there. But I think we, you know, I'd rather be understated today a little bit. That's like, it's good to be right at the top of the parabola, like right at the optimal point. But like, I don't, I would rather be understated because then you can be pleasantly surprised and we can just blow you away. I'd rather spend more time making uh, an amazing product with an amazing customer experience than to do what, you know, most people do in marketing today, which is to put like, they're just like professional marketers. And then once you buy the thing, like it's crap, and yeah. then you know they're just churning people through the door. So I, th- I think there's some patternistic things in there that are probably good for us. But you know, at this point, you know, I'm sure our I'm sure our investors are like, yeah, guys, but we really want you to <laughs> stop being bashful and whatever. But I I think it's a good problem to have. So yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Any final thoughts? Um,
1: I think you know just an, another reiteration from the last episode. Talk about your struggles with other entrepreneurs, talk about your failures and what you're not doing well at openly. And that's why we did that today, was because we wanted you to hear that, okay, even if your company is doing very well, there's still going to be things that you need to improve upon. And unless you get those out in the open, unless you talk about them, not just with like customers, but with investors, with partners, with mentors, with you know advisors, uh, with friends and family, like you have no idea where there's going to be a really good idea Somebody doesn't even realize it's such a good idea. Um, you know, come to you from. So the more open you can be about things that you're wanting to solve, the more you think about it and noodle on it, and not just bury it in the back of your mind and pretend it doesn't exist, the faster you're going to get a fix for it, and the faster you're going
0: to be able to move forward. Yeah, and the more you bring people into what you're doing and ask them for help, and then take their help and put it into place, you're just like grabbing advocates all over the world that want to help promote you, that want to help support you, that really want to like be a part of your success because you've actually acted on their guidance. So there's just like all this benefit on the other side of doing that beyond the kind of foundational wisdom that Travis is saying. And
1: and so many people have mistakenly think that if they talk about ideas, someone's going to steal it because it's so good. And
0: it might
1: happen a half a percent of the time, maybe. You know, talk about your ideas.
0: Talk about things. I I call that the Uber driver approach to entrepreneurship. Like, like, yeah. hey, what are you doing? And I tell my entrepreneur, oh, man, I've got this idea. But, you know, I just don't tell anybody because, you know, I'm afraid they're going to steal it. I'm like, well, that's why you're still driving me around. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no nobody cares. They're just, you know, it, it's so much harder to do it than it is to have the idea. You know, that's why you need to go just do the idea. Tell as many people as possible. Make it better. Uh, Make it like 10 times better. You know, just having conversations about stuff will help you like sharpen your thinking like crazy. So people put in yeah. Yeah, 100% acknowledge where those things can come from and find them in advance and then create solution. PS, if you're driving an Uber, I love you. There's no nothing against driving an Uber. That's amazing, but you know, just saying. I'm also yeah, yeah, me too. Uh anyway. <laughs> like, uh all right, cool. Well, I think that's the end of the episode. We better cut this off before we say something that gets us in trouble, huh? have a good day everybody oh by the way uh subscribe and share this with somebody you know this is like a little baby podcast and the more people that subscribe and leave comments and leave reviews and the more you share this with people that you think it would be helpful to uh the more we can help more people just like you so appreciate you